as mental health professionals, we're supposed to be the spokespeople for, yes, mental health, therapy is great, therapy is wonderful and appropriate for anyone, and yet why is it so hard for us as the therapists, the ones that are both supposed to be advocates for this type of health work, and yet it's so hard for us to do it ourselves. It's so hard to feel comfortable and to really sort of let ourselves go. Why is it so hard to be in therapy as a therapist? Why is it so hard sometimes to be a therapist for other therapists? What happens when we sit down and try to play this game we play with each other? I'm Reva Stout, and you're listening to A Therapist Can't Say That, the show where we talk about the things it feels like a therapist can't say. Early on when I started my private practice and I got my first therapist client, first of all, I was terrified. And then I went on to do what I think was frankly a mediocre to crappy job with that client. By crappy, I don't mean violating the standard of care. I don't think I was actively harmful, but I think I was certainly minimally helpful. I felt straitjacketed by performance anxiety. I could not access the boldness or relational risk-taking that I have cultivated with my other clients and since then with my subsequent therapist clients as well. On the other side of that coin, I noticed that being a client also seemed to get a lot harder once I became a therapist, as my skills in directing the attention and managing the energy of a dyad grew, I became slipperier. Not necessarily more guarded, but better at being guarded, more sophisticated at sidestepping vulnerability without getting clocked for it. And this is often how I've experienced my therapist clients, as having more sophisticated, elegantly cultivated defenses. And to do a good job with them, when I do, I have had to cultivate greater skill, greater courage, greater steel than I often have to use with my non-therapist clients. I have been wanting to do an episode on this topic, Therapists as Clients, since I conceived of this show, so I'm very excited that today you'll hear me speaking with licensed psychologist Dr. Elena Herrera, who, among other specialties, makes therapy with other therapists a focus of her clinical work. And you're going to hear some resonance with the themes from my last two episodes about what happens when our clients encounter our humanity. Because the shame of not having our lives together comes into the room with us when we become clients. And the shame of not being a perfect therapist is activated extra by our therapist clients. You're going to hear us talking about confronting that shame, dealing with mental health stigma, managing performance anxiety, how therapist clients work comes up in their therapy, and distinguishing how we approach that from supervision encountering unexpected ethical issues, and how we can make our therapist clients' experiences better. And on my next deep dive, I'm going to be talking about how we bring some air to breathe into the room with all the other stuff that's in there crowding up the space when therapist client and therapist therapist are in the room together. So make sure you're following the show so that you don't miss that episode in two weeks. 
Welcome, Dr. Herrera. I'm really excited about this conversation today. Thank you for being on. Thanks, Reva. I'm happy to be here. So the first thing I'd really love to hear about is just um, your journey towards uh, having this as one of your specialties. So seeing therapists as clients, like what interested uh, you in that initially? What made you excited about that and go in that direction? Well, I've been a clinical supervisor for a number of years, so uh, doctoral students studying to be psychologists and, you know, many therapists, um, kind of early career therapists. So that kind of started, I think, my interest and at least my experience in that genre of, you know, seeing people at their very early stages of their career kind of really first, I mean, having their firsts, having their very first client in front of them, not knowing what to do, not knowing what to wear. <laughs> what do I say? Um, and so I had that experience for many, many years up until just a few months ago, actually. And that was really, really enjoyable. But I think what really sealed the deal for me was when I was in my own personal therapy. Um, this was maybe five or six years ago. And she was a wonderful therapist. And she mentioned one time that she liked working with me because I challenged her in a certain kind of way. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I hope not. I hope not in a bad way. And she said, no, no, this is really good. And the more I thought about what she said and the more I had my experience of working with her, I realized I don't know how it would have worked if she hadn't had that experience of working with other therapists and feeling comfortable. And I remember telling her one day, you know what? I think this is what I want to do. I want to work with other therapists because I know what it feels like to be in the room. And I kind of would like to have the experience of a pain in the ass like me in the room and just challenging and pushing through. So I really credit her. I don't know what it was. It was just something about feeling comfortable and feeling seen and realizing that it can be really difficult for therapists to see their own therapy. And I, I, I wanted to be that person that made it a little bit easier. Totally. Um, I'm curious, like, you know, whether that's in that first, um, those first moments of realizing, hey, this is, this is a little bit different, you know, and I'm noticing that there's something unique about, uh, about this experience of being in therapy as a therapist, or as you've worked with therapists as clients, what are some of the things you've noticed? Like, what do you think are some of the, the patterns or the unique challenges, or, you know, maybe some of the differences from working with somebody who, um, is not in the field. So I'll speak to what challenges present for me, um, just kind of my own issues that I notice. So far, I've had the pleasure of working with therapists who I really like, <laughs> really nice, enjoyable people. And I think, wow, if you weren't my client, you would be a friend of mine. I, I never say this to them. So that's something that I have to kind of keep in mind, that this is still a therapeutic relationship. This is still uh, a relationship where I'm the professional. They're seeking me. This other person just happens to have a similar career that I do. And so I have to be very mindful about not treating them too differently, not, you know, um, not showing specific type of favoritism, for example. Um, I had one psychologist who I was working with who shares a lot of the same kind of demographic backgrounds, very similar kind of upbringing, even age and, and all that. And 
I found myself kind of getting a little casual with her. And I'm like, oh, no, Elena, pull back, pull back a little bit. You got to put that professional lens. So that's something that I know I have to consciously work on is just making sure this is still a client. But I think what the patterns that I see with therapists as the clients coming to see me, there's a lot of shame. Mm. I've noticed that across the board, just a lot of shame. In fact, it, we could have a whole session or two just focusing on the fact that they're being in the room with me, that they're there um, for something that they just didn't think that they should ever talk about or say out loud. And they're supposed to be professionals too. And so that's a real hard one to deal with, I think. So when you're talking about shame, do you mean like you see therapists coming in feeling like the fact that I'm here and showing up with like my own messiness, my own personal stuff that's like really challenging or, you know, whatever realm that may be in that just the fact of showing up in therapy with that as a therapist, there's something about that that seems to go along, create more shame. Yeah. Yeah. And I totally get it because when I was in therapy, I dealt with the same thing. I remember mentioning that specifically um, to my therapist and we had to work on that for quite a bit of time of just having this view that I should have my life more together than I than it was at the time. <laughs> so hearing other therapists say something very similar um, and also wondering, what are you going to think about me? Do you think that I should even work as a therapist? Should my license be revoked? I had a client say that to me. Um, so shame and embarrassment. And also because I've been doing this for quite a while, um, kind of seeing me as this, I don't know, seasoned professional. And, and once they know that I've been a supervisor, like I should know who's good and who's bad mm -hmm. as a therapist and who should practice and who shouldn't practice. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's interesting because I have therapists seeking me out because of my experience as a supervisor because they're like, nothing's going to shock you. <laughs> You've heard it all. You've seen it all. And have that same characteristic that they looked for in me be the one that actually makes them feel more self-conscious about it. Like somehow now I'm going to be supervising them or viewing their credibility as a therapist versus you're just my client coming in with life issues because you're human. Mm -hmm. That. I think resonates with my experience too, with many of my uh, therapist clients and and certainly myself as as a client, where there's the layer of like, I mean, I would say most clients right worry or have something come up with their therapist around, are you judging me? Are you you know viewing me negatively? That's like an inherent part of the th therapeutic process so much of the time. But then for us, we're bringing in this additional layer of like, not only are you, uh, is the question, are you judging me as a person, but are you judging me as a therapist and as a fellow professional? Are you thinking, wow, you're such a mess. You shouldn't be even in the field. Like you shouldn't be having these problems, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Because I also work with a lot of engineers because of where I live. I'm in the Bay Area. So okay. it's a hub of technology. Not one of them are concerned about <laughs> my opinion <laughs> yes. of them as an engineer. They just don't care because I don't have the qualifications for that. And they're not thinking about that. So I think therapists as clients, they bring in that human tendency that we all bring in of, oh, gosh, what are you thinking of me as of my life? But what are you thinking about my ability and my competence now as a therapist? Right. right. Um, do you find that something that... Um, in the course of your work with other therapists, does that tend to be something you typically, that that comes up explicitly, that that's something you talk about? 
um, with those clients. Oh, yeah, all the time. I just bring it forward. Um, and I also let them know, look, look, I've I've been a therapist for a long time, but I've also been a client. Mm-hmm. I know from my experience, this is what I feel. I don't want to presume that it's what you might be feeling, but I'm wondering if this is coming up for you. Right. Um, or if this is here and we need to talk about it. And if it is, then let's let's talk about it. Let's explore it some more. Right. So your strategy is like, get on top of it. Because you know the likelihood is this is going to come up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm curious just about what, I mean, as you've noticed that, um, as you've noticed that coming up again and again, uh, if there's anything for you that you've reflected on about like what that says about, you know, like what the broader implications are of that, right? That like so many of us come in with that feeling of like, I have to be a certain kind of person. I have to have reached a certain level of like well-adjustedness or however you would frame it in order to be valid as a therapist or seen as valid. I don't really know what what more we can do. I mean, I think this is sort of there's implications for broader discussion of just of stigma in general, because as mental health professionals, we're supposed to be the the spokespeople for yes mental health therapy is great therapy is wonderful and appropriate for anyone and yet why is it so hard for us as the therapists the ones that are both supposed to be advocates for this type of health work and yet it's so hard for us to do it ourselves it's so hard um to feel comfortable and to really sort of let ourselves go i mean um i think it's helpful for us to to be in our own therapy um, as therapists, um, not just when we're in training, but ongoing as well. Just because I think there there is this, just this large stigma, but also, I mean, what does that mean about the type of or quality of therapy if a therapist is bringing in something that they feel so shameful about and they can't even sort of let go and let loose, but we expect our own clients to do that. I mean, how do we work with that? What are we supposed to do? So it's there's just a lot of questions around that for me anyway. Totally. Yeah. No, I think the stigma piece um, to me seems really significant that we still, you know, I think it's rare that we don't carry at least a little bit of that. You know, I mean, I I think that it's there's a lot of therapists out there. So maybe there are some people who just go in and lay it all on the line and feel zero you know, of that shame that you're talking about. But I would, you know, my uh, impression is that's pretty rare, you know, and I I sometimes think about what what it says to me maybe about like a more society-wide perception of like a linear progression of wellness, right? Is like the idea that like you go to therapy, maybe you kind of like work out whatever it is that you're there to work out and then you kind of achieve wellness and then you get to to do that for somebody else as if it's like uh as if there's a like a hierarchy or like a linear progression of like how well adjusted someone becomes and then you get to give that or demonstrate to that to someone else which i don't is not how i see it and i don't think most of us see it that way um but perhaps that we're still carrying something around that idea that we have to have like achieved a certain level of mental health by whatever definition to be worthy of bringing somebody else through that process. Mm -hmm. Or that our lives have to look a certain way 
Um, I, I remember a few years back, I had a client who's not a therapist, wanted to be a therapist one day, but wasn't yet, and had this belief that their life was just so much worse than others, and that once they were a therapist, that maybe it would be better. And so I asked them, well, I'm curious, what do you imagine my life is like? <laughs> and, and so um, I'm married, and, and this person knew that, and um, had these beliefs about me and said, well, you know, you're married, and so you know how to have relationships and you're stable and and you help people for a living and you're you've got a lucrative career and and it's not that any of that was false or not true it was just the way it was presented like well here you are and you're helping me and you've got all these things and because of a quality you have you are therefore good at life right <laughs> right um no problems and i this isn't a very intelligent person. And so I'm like, well, if they're thinking this, who else is assuming this as well? What else have you noticed patterns that maybe therapists have in common in terms of what we tend to bring or or some of the stuff that we show up with uh, other than that that shame piece? I think as therapists, it's hard for us to stop being therapists, even when we're the client's. And uh, what I have noticed, not with all, but with some, um, it's part of that sort of letting go piece that I was talking about just a moment ago of just kind of shedding the layers and, and really being authentic to themselves is, well, part of that layer means take off the, the layer of being a therapist right now and just be a client who's here because there's something going on in your life that you want to explore, stop being a therapist. So I see this very kind of analytical quality. Uh, I'm working with somebody right now who's a therapist in training and has this tendency to say, oh, that's interesting. I see where you're going with that. <laughs> <laughs> and we laugh and I have, but I have to say, okay, good. I'm glad you can see where we're going. Um, and I want you to put aside that therapist piece for a second and just focus on this. Let's can we stop with the analyzing for a little bit? We have a good relationship, so I can say, okay, enough with the analyzing. Get back to you right now. Mm -hmm. So, and I don't know if it's just because there's this tendency for us to just wear this part of our as our identity for so long that we're just holding it and can't help it, even when it comes to our own lives. Or if it is part of this defensive quality and not wanting to sort of let go of that, let go of that kind of vulnerability piece. Right. I. It's so funny because as you were talking, it's like we're sitting here talking about this in like a not, you know, a non-therapy setting. But even as you were talking about that idea of like asking somebody to drop that, drop that part and go, you know, notice something different. Right. I was like feeling even in my own body, right, in that moment of like, oh, God, that's so vulnerable um, and how uncomfortable that is. And I think um, it's uh, what you're describing is certainly something I've noticed. I, I, I Also, not necessarily with all of my therapist clients, but certainly I would say with the majority and certainly with myself as a client, like it's very challenging to me um, to move out of that out of that way of relating. Um, and I, you know, to me, I think, I think so many of us come to this work among many other things, seeking to understand ourselves and to be able to make sense of our own experience, um, and to dive deep into all these models and, um, 
and ways of making sense of the human experience because that's it it's grounding and it helps us to understand and make meaning of what uh, you know what our life experience or personal internal experience may have been and so then um that becomes very important you know it certainly has been to me very formative in my own experience of myself and then to go in with another therapist and be the client and like drop that and allow a lot more uncertainty and a lot more messiness, you know, and to drop those things that have helped me organize myself that I use all the time and cultivate. It's very challenging and very vulnerable. Um, it can be it can be really hard to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, therapy already is such a vulnerable experience. And I'm sure you've heard this, Reva. I mean, how many clients have told you oh my gosh, I'm telling you something that I've never shared with anyone before. Right. Um, and that's such a privilege and it's such a beautiful thing. And we're looking at it from that lens, but we're also maybe not always, or at least for myself, I'm not always thinking about how hard it is for them to get to that place where they share something that they've held deep inside for so long. Um, and as therapists, we're no different. I just think sometimes we have uh, more tools at our disposal, <laughs> more ways of analyzing, more ways of kind of compartmentalizing and putting things away. And um, and I don't even know if it's even conscious that we're coming in analyzing or some of these things. I didn't even realize I was doing it. And my therapist had a point, like, stop analyzing. I'm like, I'm analyzing? That's just how I think. But okay. Uh, so. Does theoretical orientation or like approach, do you notice that Anything around that coming into the room in terms of like differences or similarities you may share with therapist clients? Um, usually by the time therapist clients come to me, they've already done a little bit of a background search on me so they know what to expect. And so because of that is why they've probably sought me out in the first place. They were looking for something a little bit different. I'm very explicit and and all the marketing tools that are out there about how I work. Um so it, it shouldn't be as a surprise, I think, to a lot of people. But theoretical orientation, I, mm, therapists, yeah, are much more likely to say, yes, I've sought you out because I saw that you were a supervisor. And so you might be able to help with this. Or I see that you do a lot of, you know, attachment work or, right, or something okay. like this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So just more in that kind of savvy customer, like I'm shopping very for a savvy. specific thing. Yeah. Yes. Gotcha. They are very savvy. They know they found me for a reason. <laughs> right. <laughs> they know exactly what they're looking for. Uh-huh. Right. Um, you know, it sounds like you've been doing this as a specialty for uh, a while. Um, I'm, so whether it's currently or, you know, in the past more when you first started seeing therapists as clients, um, I'm curious about like any do you have additional anxiety about about that piece of like because I do find, you know, something similar where people do kind of have often more of a certain idea of what they're looking for. Um, you know, therapists, we've all looked it looked behind the curtain a bit, you know, in some sense, like that we all have a you know, we know the micro skills. We know all of that stuff. There's a different level of perhaps uh not just like the analysis of like from the therapist to the therapist client of like evaluating this person as a therapist, but also the therapist client looking through the lens of a therapist at their own therapist. Because when I have clients, it's a different 
it's a, to me, it's, it feels like a different personal experience of like, um, especially like say a client who's never been to therapy, right? They have no idea often what to expect. They have, you know, it's like totally new to them. And that, that can be a, its own, you know, challenge of kind of teaching somebody how to use therapy. But then when you have someone maybe who's not only had therapy, but they're a therapist themselves and they have a lot of ideas of how it goes and how they themselves evaluate a therapist. I'm curious of like what that brings up for you or how you've noticed that in the past. Initially, when I first thought about seeing therapists as clients, I expected that I was going to get a lot more pushback, maybe, or maybe more demands about or even opinions about the type of work that I was doing. And I've actually found the opposite to be true. I found that therapists were, um, yeah, very explicit in what they were looking for, but willing to sort of follow the, the process a little bit about it. But I have to say that for me, there is a, a certain amount of prep work that I have to do mentally. You know, a lot of it even involves making sure that we don't fall in the same crowd. You know, even though where I am, it's it's a big metropolitan area, um, the world can be kind of small in certain ways. And so um, I have to do a lot of prep work about just making sure, like, could there be a conflict somehow? Um, but I'm also worried that they're going to be analyzing me or that they're going to be evaluating me because, yeah, I've been doing this for a really long time, but it doesn't mean that I don't have a certain sense of imposter syndrome. Like you said, you know, clients who aren't therapists, especially the ones who are brand new to therapy, they might not know what to expect. So I could say, go do something just really strange for five minutes a day. And they might think, oh, well, if you're saying that it must be okay. You're the expert sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so they might not really understand what's good, what's bad, you know, even though I don't like using those kinds of binaries, whereas therapists, we can evaluate a little bit more about what makes a competent, effective therapist, especially if we've been around for a while. And most of the therapists who I've seen have been around for a while. So if they're looking for the type of work that I do, there's always the question of, am I doing it exactly the way that they wanted it? You know, um, mm -hmm. am I doing it right? So that does not typically come up in my head when I'm working with other clients, but it does when I'm working with therapists. Mm -hmm. How do you, I mean, I would totally agree. I think like for me, I, you know, I think uh, I personally, when I had my first client who was a therapist, I was terrified. Like I was very anxious that very first person of like, oh my God, I'm seeing another therapist. I mean, just like the exact mirror image of that situation of going to therapy and being like, as the therapist judging me as a therapist being like, oh my God, this client is going to see. And that, that whatever imposter syndrome that got triggered at that moment, um, you know, earlier on in my career of like, it's almost like my humanity as a professional also, which is feels vulnerable in its own way of like having another therapist in here seeing me, I mean, make whatever mistakes I'm going to make or, you know, um, not be the perfect therapist because no one is the perfect therapist. Um, that felt really, uh, it felt like a lot the very first time. And now I think it's, it's changed quite a bit as I've become more comfortable with it. But, um, but still, I think uh, it's something I, cont I continue to contend with in a different way than with many of my clients. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, even just being involved with other therapists and consultation groups 
or training sessions. I'm part of a, a training group right now getting advanced training to work with couples. And we get in these small groups of five of us and we show clips and <laughs> do role plays. And and some of the role plays are so, so minor and so small. I'm like, I could do this, you know, with with my ears covered and my eyes covered and, and it would be fine because it's it's something I've been doing for so long. And yet my heart is pounding because and my face is, you know, bright red and, and they're going to see this fake role play. And somehow in my head, I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're going to think I'm the worst ever. So we do it also when we're in the right. presence of other therapists, whether they're clients or in a group or a training module or something. It totally. happens all the time. Yes, absolutely. Um, for me, especially like those trainings where it's like multiple people watching, you know, watching you at the same time. It's like so, oh, my God, what a gauntlet, even though you know, most of the time they're so incredibly kind and, you know, of course, uh, charitable of course, yep. or whatever. <laughs> um, do you find that people bring their work into issues that come up in their work into their, you know, personal therapy pretty frequently? Yes, it comes up quite a bit. Um, sometimes just because that's part of life and, you know, uh, work stress is, I'd say, one of the, the number one reasons why people seek therapy in the first place. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I have some therapists that sort of bring it in. Um, although I think where I struggle with is kind of helping the client focus more on what's coming up for them versus talking about their client. Right. Um, because I'm like, this is not supervision. This is not consultation. Let's focus on you. And so maybe that's another pattern <laughs> that I noticed too is, yes, they'll bring it in. And yet sometimes it they're sort of veering off and, and being a therapist again because they're talking about their client versus, okay, now, yes, we are talking about your client, but you are the client now. So this is about you. Right. That it's not right. That that shift from like talking about the client and what I'm doing with the client versus like I'm talking about the feelings that are coming up around this client. There's a reason that I'm bringing something about this experience with this client to my personal therapy, focusing on that versus the client work. Well, and then like for if in when you're in the role of the therapist in that moment, kind of having to avoid the catnip of the interesting case. um, yeah, because <laughs> there's some interesting ones. They're well, it's and really it, interesting. Totally. And if people are bringing it, usually if somebody's bringing it to their personal therapy, it's probably an interesting, there's something interesting about that case, you know, because it's bringing something up for them that's potent. Um, so, yeah, it's like uh, following the right thread in that situation, the right thread for the client versus it being about about the work so to speak do you do you i mean for me i feel like if i'm bringing my something about my work or something about a client to my personal therapy i think there's almost like a unique vulnerable that feels like a almost like more vulnerable sometimes than bringing something about you know more pedestrian about my personal life my kid you know partner or whatever um and I'm curious if that's something you've noticed as well, either, you know, on either side, that there's something vulnerable about um, about bringing in the work that wouldn't be, you know, like with the engineer comparison. Yes, I, I know that when I've brought in my work with my own personal therapy, it has always been some sort of kind of a trigger point for me. 
maybe it was a moment where I felt really caught off guard and I wasn't my best and I'm feeling really ashamed and uh, about it, then yeah, that's going to be really hard for me. Um, couples therapy for me is is so rewarding and yet it is so incredibly challenging for me that I still have moments where I feel like, oh my gosh, I was just, that was so ineffective mm -hmm. and I carry it with me. And so of course I'm going to want to bring it in with my own therapist. Like, what does this mean about me? Because it is about me. This isn't mm -hmm. about the people I'm working with. And, and, and I think sometimes with some clients that I've seen when they are bringing in their clients into the work, it is something very personal. They just got really pulled in for a certain reason. And so we do need to talk about this client. But I wonder sometimes if they're looking for me as somebody to say, you're still a good therapist, yeah. just to validate that. And I've had to bring that up with them. Like, could this be part of what's happening right now? You're questioning whether you're still good or that I might think otherwise. Um, right. I had a client, you know, I don't know, sometime a year ago or so. And let's just say this person did something that when we're in training, we get this sort of standard message about things that we should not do as therapists. And unfortunately, this person found themselves kind of caught up in something like that. Um, so there was a whole lot of shame around that. And and that was really tough because we needed to talk about the client and we needed to talk about their work as a therapist. We yeah. could not get away from it. Yeah. Um, and that was so painful for this person. It was just everything about themselves was just saying that they were awful and and they weren't. They were just a human who made this unfortunate mistake. And I, I still thought they were lovely and probably a fantastic therapist. That's the thing about it. So, right. um, but they needed to be incredibly vulnerable. Otherwise, it wasn't going to work. They couldn't get to the bottom of why this happened or how can this be prevented from happening again. Right. Yeah, I think um, that I'm currently reading, doing some reading um, right now just about ethics and boundary violations and all that. And I, as I was, you know, coming into our conversation today, uh, having been reading that, I was thinking about that topic of like how thorny it can be if you're if you're a therapist who is working with another therapist where maybe there's been like a boundary violation in their work that comes from something that's personal with them, you know, like or to, or something that's adjacent to that or, you know, they're teetering on the verge. How like. Uh, I, I That's a thing that we encounter, um, and I think probably more often than anybody really talks about. Um, and I think. um so something I I can't say grad school prepared me for like anything coming close to that scenario. Um, I'm just imagining that probably over the course of someone's career, right? Like if you're a therapist for multiple decades, I think my impression is over time, I have more and more clients who are therapists than I did in the past. And I would imagine that's a similar um, trajectory that many people have. Um, that something like that is probably going to come up, odds are, I would think, during that time. You know, if you were imagining like a younger therapist or an early career therapist who has no idea that they might be walking into that, what do you think you'd want them to know about that kind of situation? I think the first thing I'd want them to to know is that whatever you learned about in grad school, whatever rigid kind of rules you relieved, you you were led to believe, kind of put those off to the side for a second and really hear the person's story. 
because you're right, grad school does not prepare us. The only thing grad school really prepared me for was don't do this, don't do that. You know, and is I should restate that as far as ethical and boundary violations yes. go. <laughs> yes, yes, right. Um, yeah. I was quite prepared in grad school. Um, it was more about don't do this, don't do this, but it it really never focused on why do people do these things in the first place? How do people go down that road? And I think also there's this myth that people go as therapists go from just treating people regularly, no big deal, nothing going on, and immediately jump to having sex with the client. <laughs> right. Yes. It's just like there's nor- just normal no therapeutic relationship one day and then, yeah, just right. in a hotel room the next. Right. No. Yeah. And that <laughs> that is just simply not the case. And I think that part mm-hmm. is missed, that there's boundary violations that lead up to that, starting with, you know, extending session length or waiving fees and things like that and patterns of those kinds of things, you're more likely to see an uptick of that versus the person coming in because they've just had sex with their client or something close to that. But, you know, I think therapists just need to be prepared that if you're working with another therapist, you're going to hear these things. They might be coming in to see you because of that or not. And it just sort of slips in conversation. Oh, yeah. When I met with my client, I, you know, met them for an hour and a half and you know, no big deal. Um, I don't know. You might hear those things, but you really need to hear the story from the client and try not to have any preconceived notions. The client who did something or had some sort of situation with their own client that I was mentioning, um, it, it, it was nowhere near what I would have expected. It just things happen and it happened because there was a trajectory for mm-hmm. many years of just doing these kinds of boundary violations over Mm -hmm. and over and over again. And you can't just say that this person is is a bad therapist. That's just too simplistic. There's so much more to the story. And this is your client first and foremost. You've got to form a relationship with them and see see them in unconditional positive regard. You just have to. Yeah. I mean, what you're saying to me speaks to something to that. Um, It's like a microcosm of something that's so much larger around the ways clients can trigger our own stuff around whether we're a good, you know, in this case, therapists, like whether we're, you know, those people who do that thing, whatever that thing may be over there are the bad therapists and we're, we would be the good therapists, you know, like we get triggered around that stuff but also just about anything, the way that a client can bring something in that um, we have to extend our capacity for empathy so much further than we may have expected or been prepared to do. And that there's something um, when our professional stuff is brought up in that way that we may have to extend empathy um, for other therapists much further than we expected to have to do as well. I think that's true. You know, there's already so much shame coming about. This is a complicated type of client. And and again, we can't believe the myths that we've heard in grad school and in our training about ethical violations, if that's what we're talking about. Or I think even, you know, even in a less extreme scenario than an ethical violation, just all the feelings that get stirred up around clients or all the things that, yeah, all the complexity of... um, the kind of taboo feelings, whether that's anger or boredom or, you know, just all of the things that come up around clients that we may need to, you know, explore 
or confront honestly, like whether that's within ourselves or another therapist, like that, um, just the multiple layers uh, that are in the room when we have two therapists in the room in in those two those two different roles. So overall, my impression of what the research says is that people tend to be pretty satisfied with therapy in general. Like it has a pretty high, you know, if you compare therapy to other, you know, specialties within the medical realm, if you want to go there, you know, therapy has a pretty high success rate in terms of patient satisfaction, client satisfaction. Of course, there's always going to be a subset of people who have a hard time getting what they they need, want, are hoping for out of therapy. My my experiences, I often do find other therapists saying they have a hard time finding a good fit, getting what they want out of therapy, getting what they need out of therapy. And I wonder what you think about what we can be doing on the therapist side to help therapist clients get a satisfying experience out of therapy, get what they need and want out of that relationship and that experience. Well, I think one thing we have to remember is that when therapists are seeking out their own therapy, they're going to be much more savvy and maybe more selective. And so they might be a little bit more exclusive about um, their feedback. And so I don't want to imply that they're harder to please, but they are just going to be looking at things from different angles than your regular client coming in. And so I think as therapists, we have to be mindful that that's something that could come up. I also think it's important that we gain experience just in the field. Um, I don't know that I would recommend very early career therapists taking on this kind of work or expect that they're going to be a specialist in this type of focus, but to get some practice in it. And if if there's a seasoned therapist who really would like to work with therapists, I think they're probably going to be okay for that. And because just they have the, the background, the, the just the general experience, because this is kind of a more specialty, I think, mm-hmm. um, just because of the complexity. They're bringing in their own lives, they're bringing in their work and all that. I really would love to see more kind of continuing ed opportunities and more kind of work. So like, why aren't there more types of webinars or workshops on working with therapists as clients? We have it for everything under the sun and we don't have it for this. So some of it, I think, just falls on us as the professionals to create this kind of content. But I think in the absence of that, seeking out our own therapy. I I can't ever understate how important it is as therapists that we need to be clients, gain some supervision experience if possible, consultation, um, just get yourself immersed in more kind of deeper introspective work, I think. Yeah, I think that's a, a tremendous point about the continuing education. Like I hadn't thought of that until you just mentioned that. But now that you mention it, yeah, like that is so weird, actually, because we have I mean, I would say like overall, it's pretty well agreed upon, you know, as you just said, we need to be, you know, at least regularly, you know, perhaps not continually, but regularly accessing our own therapy throughout our careers for various reasons that it's an important experience that therapists need to do that. And yet there's almost nothing. I mean, I've I've looked quite a bit because I was preparing for this. I'm very interested in this topic. And uh, as I was preparing, you know, to feature this topic on the podcast, I've done quite a bit of looking around and there is a almost nothing 
like truly almost nothing about this topic, um, which seems very weird. I mean, because, yeah, like we're all, you know, disproportionately, I would imagine as a profession, we're all going to be in therapy at some point. Um, it's considered an important, an important piece. You know, I think it is, you know, when you think of the ethical the piece around adhering to ethical standards, right? I think it's generally seen as important that therapists are exploring their own stuff in order to be able to um, practice as ethically as we can, et cetera. And yet, you know, there's information out there about supervision, certainly, but not about seeing therapists as clients. It's that's mm -hmm. so weird. It is. Now weird. I'm just I... really like <laughs> sitting there totally weirded out by that. <laughs> I have a new job for you, Reva. I, I mean... know. Why? <laughs> right. Yes, you've got my wheels turning <laughs> for sure. Before we wrap up, uh, I'd love to hear. I ask all my guests to share um, what I call uh, a, a therapist can't say that moment. So, meaning that a time, you know, any point in your career um, that you've said something and known immediately by whatever feedback you've gotten, like, oh, that wasn't something that a therapist was supposed to say. So I'd love to hear anything that comes to mind. I was going to ask you if I was allowed to cuss, and I realized that I think I already did earlier. You, absolutely. <laughs> Cussing is so, welcome, yes. Uh, because uh, this thing that I said many, many years ago, I was still in my internship training, I think it was. And we, it was a, a a group, a group of teenagers. And um, there was a pretty oppositional kid there. And he was just being so disruptive and disruptive and just all this stuff. And I, everything I tried to do to redirect and contain the group was failing. Finally, I looked over at him and I just said, you're bugging the shit out of me right now. <laughs> and once I said that, I was like, oh, no, I'm going to be fired. Um, and of course, it back, you know, backfired because he loved that he got a rise out right. of me. Uh, I did not get fired um, <laughs> or even get yelled at or in trouble. It was just, well, I don't know what was going on for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would not recommend saying anything like that to an oppositional teen, especially when you're on internship. <laughs> But such a moment of uh, of therapeutic realis realism there. Uh-huh, uh-huh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much. I know you have a session and a couple of minutes here, but yeah, thank you so much for being here. I think it's, yeah, super interesting topic. Appreciate you coming on to talk about it, especially, you know, as we were t talking about, there's so little discussion of this. I think it's a really important um, place to to look at more. Well, thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. You can find Dr. Herrera at HerreraPsychologicalServices.com. If you're enjoying A Therapist Can't Say That, please rate, review, and follow the show wherever you listen to podcasts. And please don't forget to share the show with your therapist or your therapist client so you can listen to this episode as a conversation piece for bringing up all these complicated, awkward issues. As always, you can find me, Reva Stout, at IntoTheWoodsPortland.com. I welcome your thoughts, feedback, critiques, complaints, compliments, suggestions, and of course, your a therapist can't say that moments. Please feel free to reach out to me via email or sending me a voice note to Riva at IntoTheWoodsPortland.com. Talk to you next time.